When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. until we crown a new national champion. Will it be more of the same? Georgia has been there twice. In 2017, they faced Oklahoma in the semifinal, a double overtime thriller capped off by a walk-off 27-yard touchdown run from Sony Michelle. And then it was on to the national title game, where Georgia jumped out to a 13-0 halftime lead for Alabama opted for Tua Tungavailoa. He would lead Alabama to a comeback and send it to OT. Second and 26, it was Devontae Smith for the national title walk-off. And then last year on the Orange Bowl, Stetson Bennett threw for 313 yards, while the defense held Michigan to under 100 yards rushing. They were up 27 to three at halftime and cruised to a big win. And then in the national title game, the Bulldogs finally got revenge for both the 2017 season and the SEC championship game earlier in the year. The Dogs clinched their first national title since 1980 on a 79-yard pick six from Keeley Ringo. We say hello now. Hello, everybody. Happy to have you with us for College Football Live. Mark Slayball now already in Athens as the Bulldogs get set for this game. And let's start with Darnell Washington, Mark, and his status. Yeah, talking to people close to Darnell Washington, they say he's probably going to be a game-time decision on Monday night is whether or not he can play against TCU. He's got that sprained ankle. It's not a high ankle sprain, mostly a bruise. Uh, really wants to play in this football game. His availability is huge. Brock Bowers is one of the best tight ends in the country, won the Mackey Award. But Georgia loves having two tight ends on the field. In fact, going into the Ohio State game in the Peach Bowl, they had used two tight end sets 46% of the time, which was – third most among FBS teams. Mark, there's no question that we'll be talking a lot about the quarterbacks in these games, and specifically for you, Stetson Bennett. What would a win Monday night mean for the quarterback? He's already got one, and that would certainly cement his place in Georgia football history. Yeah, I asked him last week before the Ohio State game what it would mean. He said he, wouldn't, he wasn't ready to talk, to talk about it until they'd actually won that game, but now – He's got a chance to do it. Not only will Georgia become the first team in the CFP era to win back-to-back -back national championships, but he would become only the eighth quarterback since 1947 to lead his team to back to consecutive national titles. And, of course, he would become the first one to do it after starting his career as a walk-on. Just an unbelievable story. Mark, thank you. Georgia, of course, trying to become the first repeat national champions since we saw Alabama do it in 2011 and 12. We'll say hello now to Tom Luganville and Roddy Jones. And, guys, uh, what's interesting is as much as we talk about these quarterbacks, uh, Stetson Bennett, 
the reigning champion, I guess, at least for a few more days, and yet somehow, Alugs, he's not in the elite conversation. Why is that? Two words, six letters, one hyphen. Walk on. I mean, the, the, the problem is he's a victim of his own path. He's a victim of his own story. And the reality is there's going to be a lot of people that will point to him and say, well, a lot of guys who are 25 years old with that type of personnel around them would be able to do everything that he has done for this football team. I disagree with that. I think particularly this year, they won because of him, not necessarily in spite of the plays that he didn't make. And so regardless of the personnel that you have around you, you still have to make the pre-snap pr uh, progressions. You got to make the post-snap reads. You got to get everybody lined up. You got to know exactly what is coming and then make a positive result post-snap. He's done that time and time and time again. So we've got to start giving him his due. Moogs, I agree. And while I haven't counted up how many words my statement's going to be, it's because he doesn't look the part. And it goes back to what you said. He is a former walk-on. He does have guys who look like Superman around him at all times. This is one of the best rushing teams in the country, despite not having a thousand-yard rusher. This is one of the best offensive lines in the country. This is an incredibly deep receiving core, even though it may not have the household names that we're accustomed to across the country. It's a great defense. And all of those guys we look at and say, hey, they may have the potential to play at the next level. Really, the one guy on the field for Georgia who we don't say that is Stetson Bennett. And it's just because of the way that he looks and he walks and he plays the game. And look, he hasn't been perfect. I mean, he wasn't perfect in the semifinal game. And yet, in clutch time, he has been fantastic for this team over the course of his career starting. So I agree with you. They have won, not in spite of him, this year, it's been because of Stetson Bennett. Uh, there's no question in, in my mind, and I think what he means to the locker room, um, I think his story lends to uh, the camaraderie, right, the chemistry, how he's gotten people to rally around him. If, if, if you look at a scholarship player, and many of the ones that Georgia are playing with have had the spotlight on them for a long time. Exposure, hype, everything surrounding them. And then you have this other guy that's just been chopping wood. Chopping wood his entire career. Everybody's doubting him. And you look to that guy, and you're saying, that guy is the reason that we are galvanized as a locker room because it was never easy for Stetson Bennett. No, it, it hasn't been. And if I'm him, I, for the most part, I don't worry about it because all he does is win. The, the only thing that really matters, yeah. he just he wins. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I almost just don't understand it. I will tell you, at age 25, if he were to win Monday night, he'd be the third oldest quarterback to win a national championship since 1950. Of course, standing in his way, the TCU Horn Frogs, and if they are to topple Georgia, we'll take a look now at Big 12 teams to prevent back-to-back -back champions. That's a Josh Heupel-led Oklahoma team in 2000. The Sooners took the win over Florida State, a final score of 13-2, with a fourth-quarter safety being their only points allowed. And then you fast-forward a few years to 2005. The Texas Longhorns prevent USC's repeat an instant classic Rose Bowl. And, of course, you may remember Vince Young. We'll say hello now to Chris Button, who joins us from Fort Worth. And uh, the question there with regards to injuries, of course, is leading rusher Kendra Miller and the status of his knee. Chris, what can you tell us? 
Wendy, right now he's listed as questionable. He injured that knee in the game against Michigan, did not finish the game. He did not practice today. Today was the first full practice that Sunny Dykes had with their team. They had a slight walkthrough yesterday. Sunny Dykes told me just a bit ago that he's hoping that Miller will be available for practice tomorrow. But as of right now, listed as questionable for the game. Uh, Amari DiMarcato, though, is going to step up to the plate. He had 150 yards against Michigan all this week. He said preparing like he's going to be the starter. That's all I can do at this point. Like you say, he's questionable. I don't know. So I just have to go into it like I'm going to be the guy. And if he plays, I would love to have him, you know, because we're a great duo. But uh, I just have to prepare like that. Well, and Wendy, we love stories, and this would be a great one for DeMarcado because he grew up in Inglewood. This will be his final college game. He played high school ball just 15 minutes away from SoFi Stadium. So if he does get the start, what a way to end it on the sport's biggest stage in his own backyard. Yeah, sometimes we can't script them. You know, we just leave it to the real thing. Chris, thank you. And we know you'll be on the sidelines for ESPN Radio for Monday night's broadcast. We look forward to hearing from you then. A TCU's offense, by the way, no matter who starts, has been one of the more prolific in the country. And they'll be facing arguably their toughest test yet. Georgia's defense is as good as they get in college football, seemingly matching up strength for strength with the Horned Frogs offense. Uh, that's often the case, I feel like, Roddy, when we get to the national championship game, you've got one team strong in one area, the other on the other side of the ball. Uh, does TCU have enough firepower to pull this off? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's a great question, Wendy. It's a TCU offense. It's been spectacular all year with the Broyles Award winner, Garrett Riley, calling the plays. But the big thing is they've got weapons all over the place. And, and, and I think that gives them the opportunity against just about anybody. So when you talk about those weapons and key players, Kendra Miller is certainly one of them. And I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done this season. He's got excellent vision and really quick feet for a back his size. They do a great job blocking downfield as well with some big bodies. And when it, Kendra Miller's in the open field, he's got the speed to take it to the house. The other thing that they can do, which gave Georgia trouble, is scramble at quarterback. So even when the pass protection isn't perfect, Max Duggan has the ability to be able to escape the pocket. You can cover everybody downfield, and when he gets out of the pocket, his ability to run is going to be huge against an aggressive Georgia defense. And then, by the way, there's Quentin Johnson on the outside, maybe the first receiver taken in the draft. So if you go man-to-man -man with the safety in the middle of the field, you just say, hey, number one, go deep, beat man coverage, little bit of a veteran move to get off the defensive back 
and he can catch it down the field. We all know that the secondary has been the biggest weak point for this Georgia defense. And so if they're able to handle it up front, if they're able to handle the pressure in the front of Georgia Lugs, I think TCU does have enough weapons to be able to give Georgia some trouble. You know, it's interesting because I think you said the, the, the key to the whole thing is how do you handle Georgia up front? Because Georgia just might line up and say, you know what? We're flat out better than you and we're not going to allow you to run the football. If anything, you're going to have to throw the ball all day long to beat us. You're going to have to throw it into tight windows, and we're going to be willing to gamble a little bit, play on an island on the perimeter. And so, you know, an athletic quarterback like Max Duggan has caused problems for everybody that they've played. And when you're Georgia on defense and you face a quarterback that you've got to prepare for his legs, you're playing 11 on 11. When he's a stationary player, you're playing 11 on 10. So I think that's an advantage for TCU. But – TCU better bring their big boy pads because if you think they needed to be physical against Michigan, they're going to have to really be physical against this group, and they cannot make mistakes, whether it's turnovers, whether it's penalties, whether they get themselves in third and eight plus. They have to avoid all of those scenarios if they want to keep pace with Georgia. I agree. I think it's almost like the exact same thing. TCU has to have the exact same ha same thing happen for them as did in the semifinals, minus their own turnovers. And I also think this is going to be Garrett Riley's biggest test because TCU wants to run the football. But if you're not able to do that, how can you manufacture those short completions that can lead to chunk plays? And I think it's two ways. Darius Davis and Tay Barber in the screen game because TCU does have an expansive screen game that they'll break out from a number of different players. So whether it's those two guys in the slot, whether it's at tight end, whether it's at running back, I think executing those key calls in the screen game and in the creative play, uh, play calling, I think that's going to be huge for TCU. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, it's interesting you reference that screen game because just like his brother Lincoln Riley, the run game revolves around the guard tackle counter. Love the counter play. And then things that come off of the counter play. Play action pass downfield, screen game to the perimeter. So they're going to have to utilize that if they have hopes of keeping that box a little bit lighter so they can get a numbers advantage and have some success running the football. If they get out of the perimeter and they can create some plays in space, all of a sudden Georgia might have to loosen up a little bit. Now that opens up that counter. I tell you what, guys, we're going to talk about the trenches, Luke's you reference. We'll talk a little more about that later. But hard to believe we're having this conversation at all when you think about TCU as a sub-500 team just last season. Uh, would be the first time, I think, since 1965 they pull off a national championship uh, after going sub-500. But uh, we got a long way to go uh, before we do that. We're not crowning any national champions today. We'll wait till Monday night. Uh, still to come on college football, though, there will be plenty of NFL-worthy talent on display from SoFi Stadium. We'll get a primer on the names you need to know and all eyes will certainly be on the quarterbacks and this one will take a closer look at what Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett need to do to walk away with the trophy. 
that got some swag, obviously. And the Tennessee fans had leaked this number out, and then when he scored, he said, call me now. I'm like, Lord. <laughs> That's a funny. His confidence, man, it's like no other. I don't think I've ever seen him phased in any part of a game or practice as well. The fact that he walks out, hit hell high, leading the guys is definitely something that carries over to everybody else in that huddle. It's something like you've never seen before. It definitely helps the team play with a little bit of edge when your leader is going out there presenting that type of swag. Max Duggan's story is one of perseverance. From backup to best. From setbacks to comebacks. His team has gone from believing to battling for a national title. Max Duggan doesn't just get it done with his arm. He's a big threat to tuck and run as well. He led all Big 12 quarterbacks in rush attempts and broken tackles while only trailing Adrian Martinez in rushing yards and touchdowns. And for that reason, of course, that Georgia defense will have to prepare for both. Roddy, what will be or should be the game plan for Georgia against Duggan? Honestly, Wendy, it, it, it's tough because he's a physical runner who's got more speed than you think. And he's been able to create in a number of different situations. I mean, we showed the video against Kansas State when he's able to escape, when they've got a free rusher at him. So what I would do if I was Georgia is actually send pressure at Max Duggan. I don't want him sitting back there with time against my secondary. We saw how that worked out against Ohio State, and this is a receiving unit well, maybe you don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. You do have a Quentin Johnston, which I don't know if that's a downgrade at all. And with Tay Barber and Darius Davis in the slot and the creativity, I don't want him sitting back there with time. So I would actually blitz Max Duggan. Now, you're going to have to keep him in the pocket, keep him contained, and keep your integrity in your pass rush. And with the amount that Georgia stunts and blitzes, that's going to be tough. But overall, I would send pressure after Max Duggan, make him make quick decisions, make him throw under pressure. And if he beats you with his legs, then that's on your pass rush, not containing him, keeping him in the pocket and, and making sure that that integrity stays true. But I'd send pressure. You know, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I referenced loading the box and just lining up and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're better than you are. But I'll tell you the other thing that Georgia's got to be very, very careful of. TCU has more plays of 50 or more yards of anybody in college football since 2004. They have been just ripping off the, the, the explosive plays. And so if you're going to load the box and you're going to be on the perimeter, you've got to know you're playing a team that is used to having plays of 20, 25, 30, 40 yards. And Max Duggan's done that on the ground, too. It hasn't just been through the air so I think you got to pick your moments pick your times all right but when you can make sure that you come after him I agree with you from that perspective but if you do you're running the risk of giving up an explosive I, I, I agree with you that it is sort of a risk reward proposition lose but I just saw when CJ Stroud had time on those play action little half rolls when Marvin Harrison Jr. was clearing out and you had a Mecca Buka or Julian Fleming on those deep over outs, I mean, they absolutely crushed Georgia in that. And the difference in the game to me 
was Marvin Harrison Jr. going out of the game and the Georgia no longer being afraid of the deep route on that and sending pressure. So uh, while Quentin Johnston might make some plays on you, I think that you have to let him prove it, especially if he's matched up against Keely yeah. Ringo, who's going to be a first-round pick. I, I think you got to make them prove it, and then you adjust the other way rather than doing what they did in the semifinals, which is start conservative and then adjust to being more aggressive. Well, that's why first and second down for TCU offensively is critical that they do not get negative yards. You can't get behind the get behind the chains. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing from behind, and you start to press, right? You know, TCU's been so good at kind of dictating terms to the opponent and being able to, hey, we're going to run it here, we're going to screen it there, we're going to throw it there, and then you're third and three, okay? You can't be third and eight plus. You can't be third and ten plus versus these guys. Georgia's just going to out-athlete you and they're going to come after you, and they're going to win in the trenches. Yeah, they, they will, Lugs. And, and if they are third and long, that will make for a very long night for the Horned Frogs. And you know what? It's also worth noting that Georgia's defense has allowed under 14 rush yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. So there's no doubt they'll try to take that ability away from Max Duggan. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, we go from one to the other, and there's no question it has been a long and winding journey for Stetson Bennett. He's a Georgia native. We talked about it earlier. Uh, he hasn't given a lot of thought to his legacy just yet, but Jen Lada has the story that others have. Well, that story coming up. We've got some technical difficulties. Stetson Bennett, uh, by the way, though, has become one of the all-time winners in college football. I said it before, right? All he does is win. He's won over 90% of its starts. That ranks second all-time in the SEC's storied history. He's won 38 of his 31 starts so far. And we'll look for win number 29 next week. Coming up on College Football, big games come down to little things. Coming up, we'll tell you what could be the difference in this one. And if your TCU, could it possibly be the Hypnotoad? Power of Hypnotoad. Hypnotoad is supposed to throw the other team off and the other fans off. It's pretty strong if you look into the eyes of the two homes. The videos of the Hypnotoad to kind of get our student section all riled up during games. Kind of give us a little bit more juice and something fun for our fan base to get behind. He has the power to influence people. He has the power to influence things. So the Hypnotoad is definitely on our side this season. It holds a lot of power, so I'm just ready for the Hypnotoad to show this 31st. football dynasty or will TCU play spoiler you're taking a look at the college football playoff national championship trophy presented by Dr. Pepper 
Uh, one of these guys will come away with it. Looking at the odds for the big game, it's Georgia as an overwhelming 12.5-point favorite. If that line holds, it would mark the largest spread in any national championship game over the last 25 years. College football insider Pete Thamel joins us now. And Pete, listen, uh, TCU is not the only place. Uh, it's becoming more and more commonplace to use the portal to put together, build, and round out rosters. What can you tell us about the way the Horned Frogs use the portal? Wendy, I really think that TCU's use of the portal, you can go right up front uh, to the gentleman who will be blocking Jalen Carter. Uh, they brought their center over from, uh, from SMU, Ali, and he's one of the central pieces, the one a handful of starters that Sonny Dykes has done to supplement a roster. When you take over a program like Sonny Dykes did at TCU that had a losing record, they were 5-7 and seven. in Gary Patterson's final season, there are holes. And you can bring in older veteran guys who you can plug into very specific roles and they can really help you go on a run like they have now. What it's really done, and we've seen it in Fort Worth this year, is it's shortened the turnaround time. When you used to take a job, you used to have to bring a guy in, redshirt him, build him, grow him. Now, with graduate transfers and one-time transfers, you can microwave your start and get hot fast. Now, no one thought TCU would get this hot this fast, but it wouldn't have been possible if not for the transfer portal. No, remember that? It seems like ages ago we had to sit out a year and wait for it. And my, how, how things have changed. Uh, Pete, let's talk a little bit more about that offensive line. They'll have their work cut out for them, of course, against that Georgia defense. What do you hear about the Big Uglies? Well, the Big Uglies are big, Wendy. I think that's the most important thing. This isn't a ragtag group of tryhards on TCU's offensive line. There are three NFL prospects, either current or down the road, on the Horn Frog line. None are shorter than six foot four, and they average 317 pounds. That's the size and archetypes of an SEC unit. And what TCU is going to have to do is play a lot of snaps in four wide to take some pressure off and keep the boxes light. That way they can isolate in on Jalen Carter, uh, the, the star defensive tackle for Georgia, and then they can utilize tempo to try to wear he and the Bulldogs down. So it's going to be the size of the line combined with the speed that TCU plays at that will give them a chance in this game. All right, Pete, thank you. I like that. The big uglies are, in fact, big. And, in fact, that's the case on both sides of the equation. Take a look at the sheer numbers here. One thing is for sure we've got some size. TCU's offensive line averaging out to be 6'5 and over 315 pounds. On the other side of the ball, a Georgia D-line that averages 6'4, nearly 285 pounds. That's almost Roddy Jones' size, folks. Not quite. But it's getting close, Roddy. Uh, I know you can hang with those guys, but uh, let me ask you this. Who's, who's got the edge in the trenches? Well, uh, Lugs, I'm impressed that you held back your laughter because you stood next to me, and I am not even <laughs> close to either one of those measurables. Um, but but I, I, think, I think the advantage has to go to Georgia's defensive line, but, but not by as much as people think. I mean, the fact that, that TCU comes out of that semifinal against Michigan and we feel like TCU was the more physical team, that wasn't a fluke. If you watch this TCU team this year, uh, you've seen their physicality up front over and over and over, and I'm glad we ran that about their size. That was one of the things that I was most impressed with watching them on film and then seeing them in person earlier this year. The size on the offensive line uh, it is impressive, and, and I don't, you know, this is this is a group 
that has been tested constantly in Big 12 play. And, and while they faced Michigan last week, it is an upgrade to go against the physicality of a team like Georgia. But I think with everything that they're going to hear this week about Georgia's defense, Georgia's defense, defensive line, defensive line, Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, it's a TCU offensive line that's going to have a lot to prove, Luke's. Well, it certainly is. And it's not just the size, it's the athleticism. It's also the ability to handle all of the stunts and the movement and the games that are going to be played between the defensive front or defensive front and linebackers. And they're going to have to be on their toes, making sure they're protecting that quarterback. But I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little X factor here because I think when maybe you're outmatched talent wise to some degree, and I think TCU across the board probably is here you got to come up with some wrinkles, right? You guys remember the Fiesta Bowl between Oklahoma and Boise State? And Chris Peterson and that staff, they're going, maybe we're not quite Oklahoma. So if this game's tight and it's close and we're in it the second half, we got to have a little razzle-dazzle. Excuse me, I've lost my voice over the last week of traveling all around. But... (laughs) You gotta have something in the, in the bag. A little trick here, a little trick there, and get them off their mark. If you're Georgia on defense, watch out for this stuff. I think TCU will have a couple of these little wrinkles. I agree, Luke, and I think something they can do is use a little bit of that read option game. Not necessarily on the ends, but what if you run some midline where you don't have to block Jalen Carter and you make him play in space? I think that's a recipe. Yeah. Sprinkling that in can help him out some too. Luke, you're not supposed to lose your voice until Monday night, all right? We're going to have to – just you're going to have to zip it, which we know is impossible for the rest of this show. Uh, nevertheless, let's circle back to Stetson Bennett again. It's certainly been a long and winding road for the Georgia native. Walk-on is the word you hear so often, which is sort of ridiculous at this point given what he's accomplished. He hasn't given a lot of thought to his place in history just yet, but Jen Lada has. Georgia on the mountaintop. National champions at long last. The confetti had barely settled, and the crowds had only recently shrunk. Just nine days after Georgia won the national championship in January, its quarterback, Stetson Bennett IV, announced he was ready for seconds. I remember a week after the national championship, just kind of being there and being like, oh, all right, well, life's still the same, you know? So I guess seeing that just allowed me to to realize why I'm actually doing this. It's because I love football. I love the sport. I love the competition. No one would have blamed the Georgia native for walking away after captaining the team he grew up rooting for, the program he dreamed of playing for, to its first national title in more than 40 years. But the chance to go back-to-back was too tempting. And as Bennett has shown, he's not intimidated by a challenge. Seth has been just resilient. I mean, he continues to show over and over that he can overcome tough circumstances, whether that's, you know, national championship game, fumble, bounce back, whether that's go to junior college and play for a year and bounce back. It doesn't matter. One thing that sticks out to me is just, like, his, his effortless swagger. Like, he's, he's just so calm at any moment, no matter if he just threw a pick or, or shoot fumble the ball. It's like, come on, man. Like, we're going to figure it out. we got another opportunity. Um, put it behind us. I think as a leader, a lot of times when you don't own your mistakes, people kind of start to feel that you feel that you're perfect. Whenever there's something that goes wrong and it's his fault, he always owns it. Now he shows his running skills and weaves into the end zone. I knew uh, Stetson was that guy. 
when he had came in and stepped up in a South Carolina game. And from there on, you know, it just kind of clicked and clicked and clicked. And I said, oh, we got a good one. The 25-year-old signal caller says he doesn't give much thought to his legacy. Absolutely left him standing there grabbing an air. What a move by 13. In some ways, Bennett still carries himself like a walk-on, a player who's had to prove his worth over and over again. But sticking with Stetson has been well worth it for UGA a second time around. I always thought I was good enough, but I was always tinkering. I was always trying to find something to get better. He knows where he came from. You never want to uh, forget what got you there. That's like the chip on the shoulders. I was a walk-on. I wasn't given an opportunity. I'm playing for all the other guys that didn't get the opportunity that uh, I was afforded. Legacies are so weird to me. You know, I understand them. It's weird for me to be in this position because I'm just a, I walked on here, you know. It was never about the way people are gonna talk about me. I'm just here to play football and win football games. Well, it's a good thing, because that's all he's done. We've got other news around college football. Could help me on the way for one anemic offense. Chris Lowe joins us with the latest from Texas A&M. J.J. McCarthy's big throw appeared to give the Wolverines their first touchdown. But instant replay placed the ball just shy of the goal line. Michigan breaks the huddle quickly. J.J. under center. And quickly over the ball. J.J. McCarthy handed it to Mullings. And the ball is out. TCU thinks they have it. A lot going on as they unpile. It is TCU ball. The ball was lost by the offense, recovered by the defense in the end zone. What another play by this TCU defense. You can see Inside the College Football Playoff now streaming episode two on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, meanwhile, around college football, perhaps you heard, certainly Aggie fans did, the Texas A&M offense as bad as it's been for quite some time. They posted their fewest points per game since 01, had their fewest yards per game since 08, and converted third to the lowest rate since 05. Shall I continue? Maybe not. Let's just turn to college football reporter Chris Lowe. Chris, I'll stop there because I believe perhaps help is on the way. Well, listen, Bobby Petrino is one of the best play callers in college football and has been for a long time. I think there's two stories here, Wendy. Number one, that Bobby Petrino is coming back to the SEC to be the coordinator there at A&M. But I think the bigger story, or as big a story, is that Jimbo Fisher is going to give up play calling duties. He's always called plays as a head coach. But in talking to him in the past in this move, he feels like in this day and age more than ever, it's so difficult for a head coach to call his own plays and manage a program. He wanted a veteran guy, an accomplished guy like a Bobby Petrino, who could come in and take over the offense. Now, hey, 
Jimbo's still going to be involved in the offense, make no mistake, but Bobby Petrino will be calling the plays. Well, if he wanted a veteran guy, Chris, and I would imagine you're absolutely right, he did. He's got one. As we take a look at Petrino's resume, he has been around college football, around football in general, for quite some time. He had multiple stints at Louisville, coached in the NFL. He spent the last three seasons as Missouri State's head coach, where he compiled just an 18-15 and 15 overall record. Worth mentioning, Petrino was announced as UNLV's offensive coordinator about three weeks ago. Round and round we go, Roddy, but let's assume uh, for the moment that he's headed uh, back to the SEC, as you heard Chris Lowe report. What do you think of this pairing? First off, I think it's a little unfair that we didn't include UNLV on that graphic and put three weeks on there. Uh, and just give a little <laughs> shout-out to the Rebels. Uh, but but over, overall... Uh, I, I think I think it does show an evolution from Jimbo Fisher. Like Chris Lowe said, I think we were all sort of doubting whether or not the day would actually come when Jimbo Fisher took more of a CEO role and stopped calling the plays. But Bobby Petrino is not going there to have someone else to be a shadow puppet. He's not going there to have someone else call the plays. And so my question is about how does this marriage work? What happens if there's a difference in ideals? Can the coaches uh, put aside their egos for the betterment of the team? But... I think Bobby Petrino, from a football standpoint, is a fantastic hire for Jimbo Fisher. From a respect standpoint, is a fantastic hire. And also, uh, he has a history of developing quarterbacks, which is something that since Jameis Winston, Jimbo Fisher had struggled with a bit, Luke's. Yeah, there's no question. And listen, the offense is tried and true, right? It's worked everywhere he's been throughout college athletics. There's a lot of different branches that have come off of it. You look at what Jeff Brom's gone on and done. That's where the foundation has been. It's been the Bobby Petrino offense. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, did Jimbo have a choice here? He really doesn't because the leash is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think it's a good thing that they're going to deviate away from his scheme and try something new. Try a different direction, different leadership. And I also think it's a good thing that Jimbo Fisher is now going to become the head coach of the football team, right? Not just the offense, the defense, the kicking game, overseeing all facets. And it's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. He's not going to have to worry about handling that. He can start worrying about wins and losses. Yeah, and you know what, Luke's Chris Lowe is right. College football has evolved. I mean, things have changed dramatically just in the past few years, much less in the past 10. And sometimes you have to be ready to evolve yep. and audible as well, which it sounds like uh, whether it was his choice or not, that's going to be the case uh, for Texas A&M. Let's take a look now at our progressive bowl challenge cup with just one game remaining in bowl season. It's the MAC leading the progressive bowl cup challenge. The Big 12, rut row. Notably in last place, but fighting for a national title. I'm guessing they would take that. Uh, maybe perhaps more important than their overall record. Uh, speaking of which, there's no bigger stage in college football than Monday night's national championship. Some notable names will try and make a splash just in time for the NFL draft. We'll find out who to watch straight ahead. Jalen Carter, the force, man. Jalen Carter! He's too quick, too powerful. I really don't feel like you can game plan for unless you're in a double team in all game. He's a menace. 
Absolute stud on the field. Waited too long. Jalen Carter punched it out of there. He just moves differently than everybody else. I don't want to play against him. Damn, it, dude's freaky. The LSU game. One guy just picked him up off the turf. Oh, my goodness. He picks up Jaden Daniels and just points him to the sky, just smiling. His feet were dangling up in the air. That was one of the plays I was like, God, Lee. He put Dylan Carter anywhere on that D-line. Guarantee he's making the play. Jordan Reed released his first mock draft of the season, and East Georgia is heavily represented. Jalen Carter, the first Bulldog off the board, the number two big uh, pick, joined by Broderick Jones and Keely Ringo just a bit later. TCU has one player, Quentin Johnson, as the first receiver selected. Our draft analyst Jordan Reed and Matt Miller join us now. And when you look at that list, we see four players, guys, who we will also see on Monday night. Jordan, I'll start with you, but take us through some of these guys and what they can do uh, to make a splash, if you will, in the national championship game. Well, my highest rated player in this game is Jalen Carter, and he's the centerpiece of this Georgia Bulldogs defensive line, which had a multitude of first-round picks a year ago. And a lot of those guys say that he was the best player along this defensive line, and he was the one that did return. Just a phenomenal player along the interior. Now, he didn't have the splash plays like we were accustomed to seeing in the Tennessee game and then also the SEC title game, but I'm looking forward to seeing him play in this game. I think he's going to be a big centerpiece of what Georgia wants to do to halt that TCU offensive attack. Yeah, Jordan, you're absolutely right. I mean, Jalen Carter went healthy this year. I think you can make a case for him being the best defensive tackle in the nation and maybe even the best defensive lineman. And he is projected to be a top three pick. And I know your mock draft had him way up there as well. But let's talk about Quentin Johnston from TCU, a player who really wasn't on a lot of radars when the season started. We were talking about receivers from Ohio State, receivers from LSU. And now here comes Quentin Johnston, looking like the best receiver in the country at six foot three, 215 pounds. He's shown that speed to separate over the top. He's got a big body that can really shield off defenders. And we saw last week in a game no one thought they were going to win, by the way. He had six catches for 163 yards and a touchdown and really was able to take the top off that defense. So big-time play by Quentin Johnston. I'm right there with you, Matt. I'm really excited to see him play in this game. And he's right up there in that first tier of wide receivers, along with Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State, and then also Jordan Addison of USC. Johnson, a big man, as he mentioned, but he has little man movement skills, a fantastic route runner. And we saw just the speed that he has, the full force speed that he has on the 76-yard touchdown against Michigan. Yeah, and how about Keely Ringo, Jordan, a player who... Sorry, Wendy. Yeah, Keely Ringo is another player I think we have to talk about because he really struggled in that game against Ohio State when Marvin Harrison Jr. was on the field. Second half was a little different story, but he will have that test this week against Quentin Johnston, against a really good TC wide receiver core. So I know Keely Ringo is someone, there's been some corner one talk, but I think he has to really stand out in this game against TC and show that he can go one-on-one -on -one against maybe the number one receiver in the draft class. All right, Jordan, everybody's always asking, you know, what else can we watch? Who are we looking for on Monday night? Give me one name, uh, and Matt, we'll get to you after, that can really make a name for himself with a, with a strong performance Monday night. 
I'm fired up to talk about this guy. His name is Dylan Horton. He's a defensive end from TCU, and he's on fire right now. Over the past seven games, he has 10 sacks, and he has 10 sacks total this year, but he had four against Michigan, and I'm really excited to watch him in this one just because he's going to be matched up against a player that we talked about a little bit earlier on Broderick Jones of Georgia, a player along with Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern, then also Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio State that's in that first tier of offensive tackles. So keep an eye on Dylan Horton, defensive end from TCU. Yeah, Jordan, he was probably the MVP of that win over Michigan. But Kendra and Miller, the star running back for TCU, is questionable as of now. Last week, that didn't really matter because Amari DiMarcato came in, rushed for 150 yards against maybe the best defense in the country in Michigan. So I think he's a player that scouts I've talked to thought maybe like a late-round pick. Well, he's playing himself onto the radar of scouts and guys like ourselves. So we're going to have to go back and see. Okay, he was stuck behind a top 50, top 75 type back in Kendra Miller. Now that he's had his chances, we're seeing a lot of spark from DeMarcado. And he is one of those players. I'm really excited to see what he can do against that Georgia front seven. And he certainly may get that opportunity again, guys. Thank you. Listen, the draft yesterday was 114 days away. Even my rudimentary math tells me we're like at 113. I think today. So it'll be here uh, before we know it. Thank you both. Uh, of course, Monday night's national championship game will be the epicenter of college football. Uh, we've got TCU and Georgia trying to repeat. Our coverage begins at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, but we will have pregame coverage, including College Football Live all day. We'll have you covered from every platform, TV, radio, digital, so many ways to watch and listen to what should be the biggest game of the year. It's a sight you don't see all that often these days. Top draft picks playing in a non-playoff bowl game. But Alabama's Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. did just that. Suited up one final time with their teammates before officially declaring for the draft. And their coach, Coach Nick Saban, took note. I think these guys sent a message to everybody that you create value for yourself by playing football. You don't create value for yourself by opting out and saying, I'm going to get ready for the draft. Because what are you getting ready for? combine half the stuff you do at the combine in re relative to football so but when you play against good competition and you play well that creates value you know what Luke's you can certainly understand the injury argument but it, there's no guarantee right that, that's usually the exception not the rule no. uh, what do you make of what Nick Saban had to say you think people take that to heart anytime soon uh, I hope they do I think he's 100% correct and in preparing for the Sugar Bowl and talking to Will Anderson, talking to Bryce Young. First of all, Will Anderson called himself a hypocrite. He said, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't play in this game. Bryce Young, when we asked him about the decision, he goes, there really wasn't a decision. I wasn't thinking about not playing. And when those when your two best players, excuse me, um, are your best leaders and they're going to play in the game, you got to go with them. First off, I want to give both of those guys a standing ovation. I would stand up yeah, if I, I wasn't wearing sweatpants. Lugs, I also want to give you a standing ovation for playing hurt during this, uh, during, during this show. I've been an absolute I don't lawyer. know what's going on. <laughs> Listen, it was Luke's birthday, Roddy. We're going to get him a new voice. That's what we're getting Luke's oh, for his birthday. When was your birthday? Was this week, Luke? We'll get you, Luke's. We're going to put Yesterday. a bow on it. He's going to have a nice new voice. There you go. All right, Roddy, go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> uh, when, 
Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I think I think Nick Saban um, was probably trying to make a point that isn't necessarily spot on because those two guys were going to get drafted highly no matter what. I do think when he says value, though, we all think NFL value, and he was insinuating NFL value. But I think they created value in another way, and it's value in terms of legacy. A lot of times these guys leave without playing in bowl games, and it feels like an incomplete sentence. It feels like the punctuation is missing. When you go out and you throw for five touchdowns yeah. in the Sugar Bowl in your last game in an Alabama Crimson Tide uniform, that's not a period. That's an exclamation point at the end of a career. The ovation that Bryce Young got coming off, the way that Nick Saban treated it, the respect factor that those guys garnered from Alabama faithful and college football in, at, at large was tremendous having, with them having played. So I hope we see more guys do it. I do too. And you know what, guys? We like to live in an either-or world and not an and-also. You can understand at times the decisions right. kids make and also be very glad that you see things like this and that you're able to finish what is a tremendous collegiate career in, in the way that they were able to do it. Uh, listen, if you want to watch or listen or absorb or I don't even know what, the College Football National Championship on Monday night, I mean – can, can you guys count the ways? I can't even I can't even count that high, but I can tell you uh, there are extraordinary well. ways uh, to consume this game Monday night, of course, and we hope you'll do that with us because it will be the the tribute, the cap, if you will, to a fantastic uh, collegiate football season. Roddy, what are you most looking forward to to watching or seeing on Monday night? We're still counting the ways. Um, I, I am, yeah, I am I most I excited to see which one of these, <laughs> which one of these tremendous stories are, are going to be completed. Is it Stetson Bennett becoming the greatest quarterback in Georgia history? Unarguably, Georgia going back to back after not winning a championship since 1980, or is it TCU, one of the greatest stories we've ever seen in college football, with Sonny Dykes, who was a cast off from Cal, uh, going to TCU, SMU, and the TCU? Which one of these stories will be completed? It was 12. You guys can't count very fast. That was 12 items <laughs> on that screen right there. Just want to make sure we got that clear. I can't I can't believe you're using your limited word count to correct us. Luke's in a nutshell, everybody. There you go. Uh, listen, we've got a backup and a walk-on with quarterbacks. What else can you ask for Monday night? But we're back tomorrow.